Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies, films, sometimes in a space with my buddy James. Hello there. Fresh off the 200th episode that we did and released last week, In a Space, the 1987 classic. Thanks for downloading, joining us once again. Hit that subscribe button, you get a new episode each and every week. James, there's no way we're going to top In a Space. There's not, so we might as well just pack in. So say hello. That's it. The show's <laughs> been great. I won't see you next week. Uh, hey, but come on, you know, the... Feedback's been amazing for us. Oh, mate, you honestly, can't get enough of it. I couldn't, so. I couldn't believe that many people like downloaded, listened, reviewed, and yeah. chatted to about it. And for a film that I thought was lost and forgotten in cinema history, because exactly. not everyone's seen the movie in a space. But now they have, thanks to us. And you know, we expect some sort of commission. Dennis Quaid, if you're listening, you're welcome. You're welcome. But this show stops. Uh, regularly to talk about different types of movies and themes along the the quest to find the greatest. So we've done things like Ghostbusters special, Indiana Jones, Steven Spielberg. Sometimes we've looked at sci-fi, horror, action, games, A to Z, mate. Sometimes, you know, we always go baldies. Honestly, yeah, there's no stone unturned on this quest. We will literally talk about anything (laughs) as long as it is movie related. We will talk balls forever. We will talk about... In a space, <laughs> the movie that we discussed last week. Um, this week, though, we're going back to our roots and we are just doing a what have you watched this week? What's on streaming services? What little hidden gems or movies to avoid? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for the listeners and the great people, the special people, you know, James here, I'm here. Most importantly, you are here listening to this podcast. So let's just catch up. What have you been watching? This, well, obviously, <clears throat> I'm a big TV fan and there's been a new series of The Boys. It's been a new series of Stranger Things. And to catch up with Strange Things, I've been re-watching the old episodes with Esther, who's never seen it before. So we okay. could watch Series 4 together and get in there. So a lot of TV. And Went, of course, there's uh, Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel. Lots on at the moment. You still don't have access to Netflix because someone's changed the password. On Disney. On Disney. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't have Disney. So I've got the Netflix and everything. And then I, and I know that you're happy about this. I finally watched Paddington. Oh, man. And if one watches Paddington, one must watch Paddington too. Oh, you watched both of them? I've watched both of them. And That's then, a great discussion in a minute then. And then, unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. Or do they? And has Adam Sandler redeemed himself with Netflix's 2022 big release of the last coming weeks, Hustle? Let's talk of Oscars. I, those people haven't seen the film. I mentioned this to you. <laughs> I, no, I, said I'm this, joking. I said this to you before. I said I said there's a big Adam Sandler movie coming and I couldn't believe it. And it, it, out of all the trailers that were being released, dropped the same day the Avatar trailer released. And I must say the Adam Sandler one looked way more interesting than yeah. the sequel to Blue Man Group. <laughs> Blue Man Group, go on holiday, vacation, <laughs> yeah. where was it? And we were talking trailers. I mean, this is a weird one. I, I have superhero fatigue. I, mm. I've lost it. I'm more interested in something like The Boys, which subverts the genre, tells me a different story. More interested in that. However, I'm a hypocrite. So Marvel and DC will keep me going to their films. I won't be happy about You're it. You're a slut for it. I'll be begrudgingly going, going, oh, you really want to do this? Here, have my money. Yeah. Black Adam trailer. I've got friends, namely Shep and Danny. I believe it's Danny. Definitely Shep. Doesn't like it. Doesn't like the look of it. I'm going to tell you something now. The Rock doesn't play The Rock. I'm actually kind of interested. The trailer, if you haven't seen it, for Black Adam's dark. It's gritty. It's former slave. Turned anger. Turned rage. Turned into a god. See, yeah. you and I are different here. Why? Do you not like I it? I thought it looked bland. That trailer did not look impressive. No, I'm going to say, I like the fact that The Rock is not wisecracking. He's oh, actually- but, that, but that's the thing. I just see The Rock now. Uh, he's, he's, he's in there. He's, 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 one of the, he's, he's, he's a group of, you know, your Ryan Reynolds crowd. Yeah. That just keep Dangerous doing the same stuff. Yeah, there's a few people that pull into it where I'm just like, 
this is the rock again. You know, is he, is he in a skyscraper? Is he fighting a giant gorilla? You know, no, this time he's fighting society. Yeah. Is he Hercules? I don't know, but he's always the bloody rock. And I like the rock. I love the rock. So charismatic. There's a lot of things for charity. There's a lot of, he's a good person. I, I wish him all the success in the world. Cause you know, he does seem like a very genuine, nice person, but his movies are fucking very samey. So I'm more interested in the fact that it's, it's a different style. But then on the flip side of that, it's DC. It's dark. It's gritty. There's no fun here. And, and I, I don't know my comic books this well. It, doesn't he go up against Shazam? Isn't... when and Superman, I think. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, oh I meant... It, uh, anyway. anyway. Shazam mainly, but Shazam. yeah. So my, my, my understanding of that is, haven't they got those two, two characters the, the wrong way around, casting-wise? Well, not... But wouldn't The Rock make more sense as, as like a wise-cracking kid growing up? I'm well confused about this film. Though the trailer was different, and by different, I mean exactly the same, but different for The Rock. Weirdly, yeah. The Rock is the only one that's doing something different. It is dark, it is gritty. <sighs> I'm going to say now, it's a bit sandy. It does look sandy. It does look sandy. It's like they shot it on Tatooine. Um, so I'm not... No, do you know what? I don't know. I don't know. What are you like? You, uh, listeners, what do you feel? Black yeah. Adam. Black Adam, I'm not, I'm mm. not, I'm not overly, I'm not over fussed, but I think the second trailer will be better. Second trailers always give you a bit more story. Yeah. You know, why is this happening? I'm ju- I just, the rock is just a vehicle for pushing stuff in it, whether it's an energy drink, whether it's a new fucking pair of trainers. Do you think it's weird that it's taken this long to actually get a superhero film though? No, that's, yeah, that's weird. I find yeah. that weird. But then he was always supposed to be like this Lobo coach, like an anti-hero type thing in the DC universe where he's like a bounty hunter, an alien bounty hunter. To me, that makes more sense. Yeah. You can have more fun with that. And because it's not as well known, you can take more risks. I don't know. I was watching it and past me, I was interested. Mm. And then the other stuff, I know this could sound really stupid. I fucking think lightning's a shit superpower to have. I just think well, so generic. Tell Zeus that, mate. Okay. <laughs> and what I mean is, coupled to that, coupled to that, the Thor trailer, now you see um, former Batman Christian Bale as a villain in the Marvel Universe. That tra- every time I see another trailer for Thor, I'm so excited for next month when that comes out. Yeah, Gore, the, do- the God Butcher looks awesome, doesn't he? He's chalk and cheese at the minute. Marvel can't stop smashing it. And then, like you said, there's the new Captain Marvel series. Uh, sorry, Miss Marvel series coming out. Mm. Isn't it more aimed at children? I think a younger audience, certainly. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. No, no, I'm going to let him build up. So, I just think DC should give up and start again. Yeah, I mean, they're all... think they should reset it and do it all again. There are talks, aren't they? Bringing in new directors, new styles. Uh, you know, you've got the the worry at the moment with Ezra Miller. Is he going to get dropped, you know, for Flash? And what's that going to do? Because he's a longstanding character and that would really only leave um, Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa. Yeah. You've got casting issues with Amber Heard. You've, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on D- in, in Camp just, DC. Just everything DC seems to touch at the minute. This is basically, uh, you, Christopher Nolan was like, you don't want to direct, I'll be mm. your godfather. Well, Take your cinematic universe and shove it up your ass because it's not happening. Yeah, but then you know, I, I think the Marvel stuff is, is always interesting. They've got a lot of toys still to play with, and they mm. keep bringing in. You know, they, they've offered, don't they, uh, Kevin Feige from um, from Marvel? There's discussions about like the basically blank check. You know, come over to DC and help us out. I don't think um, they were. I think yeah, I think you've soiled yourself too many times. You need to stake off with one-off films. I see that there's it's your, a just, it's your it's your universe that's killing yeah. you. I see Joaquin Phoenix though and um, Todd Phillips have released a screenshot of the first script for Joker 2. I cannot think of a film that doesn't need a sequel more than The Joker. Anything though that wins an Oscar and and made that much money, they're going to come back with a sequel. You're happy with the state of Hollywood at the minute. I'm not. I'm really pissed off. Just everything just seems to be annoying me at the minute. 
No, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, the thing with me at the moment is because I've got a, a kid who's 16 months old, yeah. I don't get to the cinema anyway. So yeah. I'm not really bothered what's happening at, at the cinema. I'm more, I'm just king of the streaming service at the minute. <laughs> have you kept up to date with the reviews? So neither of us yet have seen Jurassic Park Dominion. Mm. My favourite quote, because it's almost as if it came off this cinema, mauled by critics. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm watching that soon. Yeah, I, I probably will watch that to complete <laughs> the trilogy, but also, I suppose, the it, six movies It now. needs to end. It needs to end. Yeah, I will watch that though. I think, uh, I, I don't, I mean, it's probably not made for me, but I will watch it. Um, this week, just while we're on it, before we go into it, I've seen Duel. Uh, I'm going to talk about Last Scene Alive, Interceptor, and uh, The Contractor. Had to review my own notes there. It's been a long week. I've also seen The Interceptor. I wonder if some topics will come up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we've got loads to talk about. You talked about Stranger Things. How are you cracking on? You're I've watching it from the start. Yeah, but we started a while back. Um, so I've seen them all. And basically, by the time we finished the third series, right into the fourth series. So it was, it was beautiful. And because of Netflix, they released them all in one. Uh, the first half of the first fourth well, season. Well, this is where I get confused. Yeah, so the next one's coming out in July, isn't it? So we don't have to yeah. wait that long. Yes, seen them all. Uh, I think this is a power play from Netflix to get people to not subscribe and then cancel. Well, they've got they've got me because I recently I've been talking about the state of Netflix dumbing down. It's lost me when it goes for movies. It's piss poor as far as I'm concerned. But it's TV series, yes. And what you got, in my opinion, with Stranger Things series four is quite possibly the best TV series ever produced by Netflix. And that's strong words. I'm four episodes in, I think. It is brilliant. I, I'm really enjoying it. One Seeing the episode called Dear Billy. I'm not, no spoilers. It's not something I'm going to spoil. It's called Dear Billy. Yeah, the the one with... Uh, the song. Yeah. Amazing. The Kate Bush. That uh, was... Kate Bush, very tense, that episode. Very tense. Kate Bush, you know, uh, before a time as well. You're a music fan. What a great song. What mm. a great... Her career's like revived. Well, not career, but that song, song certainly got song back in the charts. Yeah, um, yeah, loved it. I think it's brilliant. It's sensational, and it's got a villain that. What I find really funny is the villains in Strange Things. It starts off with like the demi gorgon, mm. then the, the mind flayers introduced, then a physical mind flayers introduced. It's like what more do you get? And what I love about it is the celebration of the eighties. You know, in the third series, you had the mall. In the first episode, it's like the rise of the Goonies. This one is the rise of the eighties slasher fix. They even get Freddy Krueger himself in it. Yeah. What? The people writing this were having so much fun. Is it the, the Duffer Brothers? They're having so much fun. I'm fucking jealous. They are smashing it. It's the single biggest love letter to the 80s, it is. Stranger Things. And just when you see Robert England, it was phenomenal. And this series has got twists, it's got turns, it's got great acting, and it's got the one thing that nothing has. It's got decent, well, they're not really children now. It's got decent children actors. And I'm going to say this now Dusty, Dustin, is one of the best characters I've ever seen on TV. I fucking love you, Dustin. Yeah, there's there's no there's no uh, getting around that they are not children anymore, yeah. is there? It's like you can give you can give someone a bowl haircut, but you ain't a kid. When you've got Finn in the last Ghostbusters film playing a like teenage boy who could drive, and it's even as you're like, get your fucking bike. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really like it. It's one of them shows as well that I think throw as many tropes into it as you want, as lo- as many love letters to the eighties. I like everything that they do. Like I, 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 watching it going, oh, that's that's really Freddy Krueger. That's very Jason. That's very Halloween. That's very Hellraiser. Even Terminator. There's deep cuts like throughout the whole thing. And um, I, I love it. I think I, I think it's really, really interesting and fun. 
I will watch them all again at some point, but I, I haven't gone back because I was watching Ozark. I couldn't really yeah. like commit to two series at that time. No, so that's fine. You've got a child. I've got no life. But, <laughs> but I did see The Boys as well. I've started this new season. Now, I did watch season two of The Boys to get ready for season three. So did I because I needed just to remind myself of I did. Things. I thought, God, a lot of times passed. I could remember key scenes, but I couldn't remember how it ended and I couldn't remember what the cliffhanger was. And that has already been renewed for a season four. Should be. I think The Boys is generally one of the best things Amazon's ever produced. And, and I tell Tell you what, that first episode of season three, I've seen some stuff, James. <laughs> I have seen things. You've seen, now you've seen the Ant-Man Thanos conundrum. <laughs> yes. We talked about inner space last week <laughs> and I didn't see Dennis Quaid doing any of that shit. <laughs> Should have done. And I tell you what, I watched it with, I watched it with Emily who hasn't seen any of the boys at that particular scene. And if no one's seen it, it's no spoiler. There was a superhero, a soup in Boys Free who can miniaturize like Ant-Man. And he does go in a penis. <laughs> he does. And it's a show that's been known to push boundaries yes. and to push, like, it, it prides itself on showing things that you've never seen before. It's definitely Seth Rogen who produces it. They're like basically going, I wonder if we can do this. Yeah. And then him going, oh, we can. And it, and it has this tagline, doesn't it? Of, it's diabolical. Yes. And there is nothing else to describe the boys. It's fucking diabolical. <laughs> and it's great entertainment because it's also. It knows what it is and the audience know what it is. But Homelander is such a sinister... Anthony Starr is... I don't know any of his other work, but him as Homelander, he is on the hinge crazy, like, what great acting from, mm. from an unknown, really. Yeah, he had another TV show that I can never remember what it is. Oh, he's, wait a minute. There's a Quaid reference because I'm fairly certain Dennis Quaid's son plays Archie. Yeah, you true. Fucking Dennis Quaid's all over this podcast. If it wasn't for Dennis Quaid. <laughs> but I, I really like I really like the boys. I thought that was really good. Um, I'm interested to see where they go. They can take where they've gotten up to now. The story's great. And I, I quite like uh, Jensen, the actor. They brought him in a soldier boy. What they're doing with him is different. It's new, mm. it's unique. So I'm very looking forward to basically the end game. The only upsetting thing is only episodes long. Halfway through it now, yeah, it's coming to an end game already, and you have to wait so long. But good news, and if it can't get any better, mate, September series five, Cobra Kai. Oh, I did hear that this was coming yes, out. Yes, it's coming, but they they recorded it already. Yeah, yeah. So I was waiting, but why the fuck do I have to wait months? September. That's cool. September 9th. I'm mate. I'm gonna be all over it. I know you aren't watching it at the moment, but I am four episodes into Obi-Wan. Now this, we are recording this episode a week in advance. So um, anyone who's like, well, there's been five episodes. I know, but by when I'm recording, this has been four. Obi-Wan's very good. I am enjoying it. And I am, I was, no one wanted this show more than me. I mean, that's not true, but I really was good in for this show. Um, and Obi-Wan, I didn't realize how much I wanted it till I was seeing it because you, you, there is such a void that now I'm seeing it. There is such a void from where everyone is at the end of the third movie to where he is in New Hope. Yeah. There's a, and I know we all knew that, but it's only when you actually break it down and, and you know, he didn't know about Vader, um, you know, at the end of the third. He didn't know Anakin survived. So you do have to have that gap because I guess certainly does know him by New Hope. He's, yeah. he's mainly a machine now and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it is really interesting. Ewan McGregor, I, I, I like Ewan McGregor and I like a lot of his films, even the films that I shouldn't like, I, just, I, I tend to like because Ewan McGregor's in it. Yes. And he do, he is doing a very, very good job at a broken Jedi, someone who gave it his all um, and has this weight on his shoulders, you know, the whole Order 66, not seeing it, not, you know, friends that have passed, all that kind of stuff and being fucking terrified of this new villain. 
He acts very, very good in it. So there's something I was reading, and this is the sort of stuff that I fucking love. When you go next level, when you add that extra level of detail, is they've got one of the clone warriors who used to be from the Imperial troop begging for money. Yeah. And they, they used to be Anakin's. And it's the idea that Anakin Skywalker wouldn't do that, but Darth Vader would throw them and leave them homeless. And I was reading this, like, complex, like, review of what this means for the character. I was like, this actually sounds really interesting. Mm. My only problem with it, and it's a really big problem. I can't fucking watch it. Yeah. It's <laughs> so all I want to watch is everyone. If no one's spoiling it, it's, it, I imagine when you get to watch the six episodes together, it's going to be a hell of a trip. I, what I'll do is I'll watch the fifth one. And then when the sixth one's released, I'll watch the first five again and yeah. go straight into the six. I'll do it all in like an evening, six hours, get on it. It, it is very Disney. There's no way around it. Disney have had uh, put their thumbprint on it and it is designed for a younger audience. The threat... You know, I remember as a kid, <clears throat> Vader was a serious threat. And there was yeah. lots of, you know, and you can't get away from the fact there's lots of Nazi imagery with the uniforms and the way that they, you know, operate. <clears throat> you know, and in that first movie, he blows up a fucking planet. Yeah, he does. It was like, older on, gone, mate. In this, it is it is a bit, you know, very much more Disney style, you know, but it is still enjoyable. And what I actually, this is so, Star Wars has a, awesome community and it has a very small but toxic community yeah don't like change don't like this you know it's, it's entitled people say it's my star wars you're ruining it this is mine you know there's actually something really humble watching this thinking this is for a younger generation that some other kids might now watch this and come into the star wars family yeah because there is a lot of it that is designed to attract younger viewers and i think fucking brilliant well done i love that um and I am I am quite ready now for Star Wars to branch off into new galaxies that don't have reoccurring characters. But, yes, but I do want another Obi Wan series because I think this so because this starts and he and he gets swept up into a story very quickly. There is still all that psychological repercussion that we could visit. I would much rather have that than a than a than a Vader spin off because Vader is scariest when he walks on the scene and you didn't think he was there. Yeah, that's when he's the most powerful when them, you know, if you had it where the camera follows him around on the journey, you're like, oh, I'm kind of debunking him. You yeah, know, it's fine. I'm going to go wash my hands. Like, I don't want to see Darth Vader wash his hands. I'm going to go for a lie down. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's scarier. See Like when people don't realize he's there and someone just starts choking and then the camera moves and Vader's fucking walked in or it's dark and a light red saber fucking appears like that. He's terrifying in those situations. And I'll tell you what, something happens in episode three. I'm not saying it's designed for kids and younger audiences, but there was a scene in the third one where I was like, Fucking hell, that would terrify kids. Yeah. There's a, cool. there's a Vader scene that I was like, that will scare the piss out of people. How often is Vader in it? Without, you know, giving it away. So uh, like he's not a lot. He's not overused at all. You have to, you know, they, they just tease him and, and show, but there is one particular scene that he's in and it is, it's everything you want your Vader to be when he's not blowing up planets. Is it still James Earl Jones? Does the, the voice. Oh, mate. Christian, what are they going to do with Yeah, Chris does the... Uh, yeah, fuck him, though. The physical... Uh, the physical. Literally the only job he can get is... I fucking hate Alien Christensen. Maybe he chooses not to do it. Maybe he had... Maybe he cashed in all that jumper money. <laughs> yes, he was in jumper. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the only other film he was in. <laughs> um, do you know what I'm playing uh, Star Wars The Fallen Empire? Mm. No, is, it, is, that like, is that last one where he's got the Fallen best... Fallen Order. Fallen Order. One of the best opening levels in any video game ever where you literally... What I've always wanted to do, mm. to piss about in Imperial Shipyard. It sounds, it looks like so yeah. much fun. He's a junk trader, isn't he? Yeah. He's breaking down, um, breaking down a broken destroyer or whatever. Yeah. I love that opening to that movie, uh, that game. And it's very Uncharted. You can tell it's the same engine as Uncharted. That game is awesome. And that introduces the Inquisitors, as did Rebels and, and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, you got to fight a few of them in that. And he's really, that game is awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm only on the first planet, so. I'm playing Battlefront 2 at the minute. Oh, you have to let me know what planets you choose to go to. Okay. Yeah. 
Because it is... Uh, oh, it's a different don't, one. Don't, yeah, oh, yeah, you, 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 get, you control the ship. You get to choose where you go. Yeah. Don't go to Mustafa until you're leveled up, mate. That's okay. what I want to say. Ooh. It's fucking hard, that. first. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, on, on, uh, that, that character as well, Cal, is definitely someone that they should bring in. Okay. Into the live action world. He's such a good actor and fucking that character is so cool. And it has a place in between, you know, episode three and before New Home. My favorite Star Wars stories are come, have come from the games, not mm. from the actual. Well, no, because you've got to love some of the Star Wars stuff. Big Scream, because that's what we are. We're a film podcast. Yes. I, I've got four films. I've got three. Do you want me to go first? Then? We, go first we've both time. got The Interceptor. Yes. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> If I've got the we'll, save, we'll, we'll save that little nugget for in a minute. I'm going to start with a movie called Jewel, not to be mistaken by the 1971 Steven Spielberg Jewel. This is the 2022 brand new movie uh, directed by Riley Stearns, who did a movie called The Art of Self-Defense with Jesse Eisenberg that I talked about a couple hundred episodes back. Um, <laughs> a deadpan comedy about Jesse Eisenberg gets mugged, so he takes self-defense lessons, takes up karate, um, so that he if his aggressor does the same again, he can defend himself. And it was this very dry deadpan comedy that I thought was really, really well. And this follows in suit. This is one of those stars, uh, Karen uh, Gillian. It has Aaron Paul in it uh, and Balua Kowal. I hope I'm pronouncing that name right. It's a 94 minute dark comedy deadpan drama. Karen Gillian plays Sarah, a woman who finds out she has a terminal disease uh, that is pretty much incurable. There's a scene with a doctor who's like, look, it's 98% chance. And she's like, so there's 2% chance? He's like, no, no, because nothing's ever 100%, but this is 100%. It's, <laughs> it's that kind of comedy. Um, that dark comedy. It's deadpan. So people walk around. I talked about Yorgos Lanthimos movies, you know, mm. like The Favourite, The Lobster, those kind yeah. of films, where, and most recently, Killing of a Sacred Deer, where people interchange dialogue with each other and it's not natural. Yeah. And they talk they talk and say things that are not natural. And this is very much that. You know, the scene where she gets the news, the doctor's like, um, I wish I could fluff this up and tell you, but I can't. So I'm going to tell her how it is. You're going to die. You have a 98% chance of dying. Have I mentioned you're going to die? It's like that kind of way that they talk. And Karen Gillian's like, hmm, I wasn't expecting this today when I came to the GP's office, but I was coughing up blood. So now it starts to make sense. They talk backwards and forwards like that. So it is art house. It is indie. It's not going to be up everyone's sleeve as a, as a kind of movie that you're going to run to go and watch. So she opts for a clone. It's in a world where there is a technology where you can clone yourself and it makes the grieving process easier. There's this brilliant scene where he goes, have you thought about having a clone? It makes it easier for everyone else. And you think it doesn't make it easier for the dying person. Yeah. And again, it adds to that comedy. Um, she opts for it, thinking it's going to help with friends, family, and her partner. Her partner who is living away at the moment, he's away on a job. They have this long distance relationship. Um, and so she opts for this clone. The clone appears within an hour. They take a spit sample and then the clone walks in, a life-size Karen Gillian, so two of them doppelganging, working off screen to, with each other. And, uh, you know, there's an incubation period where this clone has to absorb everything. But then it's like, you know, within the year when you pass, the two will then become you and it'll be as if no one knows any difference. It's very Black Mirror. There's no yeah. science behind it. There's no nothing like that. It's just something you can do. It's not in a futuristic world. It's not. It's modern day. It's just just tell them. It's just, just something that's there. It's like the movie Frank and the Robot or Robot and Frank. The Frank, I've watched that recently. Yeah, the Frank yeah. and the So you know how in that it's it's our time, but there's this very, very advanced, s- advanced technology. <laughs> but no one ever addresses that this robot is so advanced, but it's, it's, it's like that. Um, what then happens is 
miracle she survives. What? The treatment works. Oh my and God, that 2% chance. That 2% chance. And she goes, I thought you said there was no chance. And the woman was like, no, I said there was 2% chance. So they kind of back on it. So it's quite funny. Um, now there's a dilemma because you can't have two of these characters. You can't have Sarah and a clone. The government won't allow it. And the clone doesn't want to be decommissioned. She doesn't want to be terminated. She now is free thinking. It's not AI. It's a living organism. Mm. So when this happens, where the clone does not want to be decommissioned, is you have one year, and in a year's time, you'll duel to the death, and the, whoever wins gets to be Sarah. That's the premise of the movie. It's amazing. She then takes up self-defense classes uh, by Aaron Paul, who's this quirky... Uh, sorry, not self-defense. takes up um, combat training yeah. with Aaron Paul's character, who is... Their, their scenes are brilliant. The whole film was shot during the COVID-19 pandemic. shot in Finland, um, because it, the lower COVID rates in Finland meant that they could allow the filming in certain scenes that they needed with crowds and stuff. Um, and the film makes no, although there's American cars and they all speak in American, it, they don't take any signage down. So as a viewer, you're like, where is this? And it was only afterwards I read that it was in Finland. And oh, it wow. adds to the element of mystery and drama. Um, the best scenes in it are, it's not, and it's not a film about the duel. You're not watching this film or shouldn't be watching this film to see a bloodbath. It's not the Hunger Games. Mm. You're not going to see, you know, it's about, it asks the question, what does it mean to kill another person and can you do it? Um, and the other question is, is what does it mean to, uh, to choose life, you know, and, and to, um, the, the sense of becoming in this case, the clone becoming her own identity and taking someone's identity, but was giving it, you know, so it, it does ask a question that you, as a viewer, you're like, well, I don't know who's writing this. You know, I don't know. I'm, the clone isn't a villain. Mm. They, you know, they're not guilty of anything. They were created against their will and now they are a free thinking entity. But it is it is that dark uh, comedy. I really enjoyed it, but I know a lot of people will watch this and think it was rubbish. It's like The Lobster. It's like those films. It's not going to be up everyone's... Uh, it's not going to be on everyone's agenda. I will say, though, there is a fucking scene that made me howl. Yeah. And it's no spoiler, and I'm going to tell you it because I think it would persuade you to watch it. There's a scene where after a lot of the training's gone on, Aaron Paul stood in his combat studio and he's got this dog and he goes, he goes, your final test, you need to shoot this dog. And then she's got this crossbow and she's like looking at the dog and the dog is like just the most lovable Hollywood dog you've ever <laughs> yeah. seen. Like just sat there all peacefully and he's like, the dog's dying. It's very ill. And it's clearly not. You know, and he's, <laughs> and he's, he's like, it's only got a few days. You'll be doing it a favor. Finish your training, shoot the dog. And then, so she's looking at it and it just keeps going to this dog. And in frustration, she's like, no. And she turns around and she, then the crossbow fires out the window. And then she sees something that causes her to leave the studio. And as she's running across the road, someone's crying because the, the, it shot a dog. <laughs> and so as she crosses the road, it doesn't address it. You just see that there's a woman and she's like, someone shot my dog. And there's like his arrow sticking out of the dog. And I thought, that's fucking so funny. So, <laughs> like, horrible, but funny. And that is this film. You, you know, the comedy, the comedy doesn't, it's not slapstick. It doesn't, it doesn't, uh, set piece you have to look for it and you have to be in tune to it you have to pay attention to get the little mannerisms the the comments the, the inward joking there's a scene in it where they watch a movie together with some really bad acting of someone who loses a hand in a um, in a sink dispenser kind of like a yeah. oh, disposal unit disposal yeah. unit which is very similar to how Aaron Paul went out of the movie Last House on the Left so there's, <laughs> there's like a lot of nods that you that I thought was actually quite charming. It's nine minutes, done out stays welcome. It has a very open ending as well, which these films need. It doesn't yeah. bookend it. It's like you watch it and you have to sit there for a minute and think, okay, so what did that mean? What was the director telling you in that final scene? 
but you can take your own version of it. You know, you can have your own decision on how this film ends. And I've read a few online that are so wildly different, which I think mm. is a good sign of a good movie. Do you, does the film take place where you follow both of them or does it just follow the original? Or does it just, just follow follows the original. Nah, right, so cool. at the moment when they agree that's, to that's the That's more interesting to me. Yeah. It's like, what's the clone? What's she doing? So, yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, she's nestled into this life. And what's really funny is like the family and the boyfriend much prefer the clone. <laughs> They're all like, well, you were a Marty bitch, you know? And you're like, no, I, I'll keep the clone. Thank you. Like the mum is rooting for the clone. <laughs> like, she's like, it's the daughter I never had. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, yeah. The, 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 sorry, it's just called Jewel. It's not for everyone. It's for but you. It is definitely for me. So mm-hmm. it, it really ticked a box. So why don't you start with some positivity? Well, there you go. Why not? Because uh, I know the interceptor's coming. <laughs> Point of order. I've got communication for you. I don't want to get... It's not a review. It's just a quick conversation. So Esther and I are going back and watching some films that I feel like Esther should have watched and that she hasn't seen. And we stopped off at a Jim Carrey land. So we had a Jim Carrey episode not that long ago. We talked about a lot of films. One of those films is on that there Netflix, mate. And it stars Kay Winslet, Elijah Wood. Oh, we finally got round to watching Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, which is a film that you and I both adore. So Esther came to the party, a film that we put in the vault. We love the film, the, the film about removing memories, the hard memories of relationship, trying to erase them, dealing with it. Mm. The heartwarming realisation that maybe you can survive this. It's, it's, you mentioned technology that exists in this world. That, so in this world, it's set in this world, but we've got the ability to erase memories. <laughs> Fuck you, go with it. Why not? You've got a great indie film here. You've got... Um, and I, I don't know if we agree with this. I think this is better than a Truman Show. I've changed my mind. I think this is amazing. It yeah. makes me rue. I actually, no, as, as soon as I said that, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I love Eternal Sunshine as well as mine. Esther, new generation, younger than the rest of us. What does she think? Fucking loved it. Mm. What a great time to experience a film. So this is just a call whack. If you haven't seen Eternal Sunshine as well as mine, it's on Netflix right now. It's a beautiful film. I feel like we should just do this. Go back to old films that like we mentioned before and just go watch it. It's there. It's a beautiful story. Mm. Beautifully told. Elijah Wood is this insipid little dickbag who's kind of like used his position to worm his way in. No spoilers. A great film with Tom Wilkinson. As, and if it's got Tom Wilkinson, I usually love it. What's, I'm going to tell you a little story, James, about Jim Carrey. Yeah. I sat on the sofa the other day. Oh, yeah. Just sat on the sofa. Hmm. And my letterbox aggressively. Oh, this is for me, is it? <laughs> Did he drop some? Did he drop a present off? Me? So the majestic got <laughs> yeah, posted through my door. Yeah. So we, <laughs> when we did the Jim Carrey episode, we talked about that. that we haven't seen a, one of his films called The Majestic, but it got good reviews. And reading the synopsis, I was like, Why have I not seen? Why have I not even heard of this film? Yeah. And a uh, friend and listener to the show, Remy Green, was like, Oh yeah, it's a great movie. You should watch it. Yeah. You and see, then randomly, I'm just sat on this over and I just did. And that DVD came through with some force. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He messaged me. Said he was. I thought I'm supposed to go see him. <laughs> I thought it was around his house. But he's obviously sick of me waiting. <laughs> well, Emily, Emily was like, what's that? And I, and I looked at it and I went, it's a DVD. And instantly I knew what it was. And then she goes, don't you think that's weird? I went, not really. Like, w- oddly, not doesn't even make the top three weird things that have come through my letterbox. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. so we will watch the Majestic and we will won't go back to that Just Jim so. So, so thank you. But, but Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind on Netflix. Check it out. Still highly recommend. Still a great film. Indie Darling, that movie. Indie two darling. indie films. What was James? Two indie films off the bat we're recommending. Um, and do you want, let's go, I'm going to go big release. I'm going to go big release. I'm going to go, it's 2022. Nowadays, we have a rating system. So if we know a film's going to be violent, it comes up and it says it's going to be 18, you know. It might be mild sex, might be a 15. Suitable for kids, it might be you. Normally, when a film's got shit, it tells us because it starts with a Happy Gilmore production. Oh, yeah. Hustle, directed by Jeremiah Zaga, starring Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, and Robert Duvall. 
Two things I'm going to say right now. Yes. One, yes. I'm pinning a lot of this review of you, James. Okay. Because this is on my radar. I nearly okay. watched it today thinking we could discuss it. And I opted for another film that I'm going to talk about in a minute. Is that a film I've also seen? It's a film with, uh, no, it's a film with Joe Butler in it. Oh. Joe Butler's new film. <laughs> uh, so I went with that and I thought, no, because I'm going to wait to see what James says about this movie because I said it was going to get good hype. You shot it down. As rightfully, <laughs> Rightfully, yeah. And actually, is it good? Second thing, Ben Foster. Yes. Love Ben Foster. I do sometimes, depends on this film. Got another film that I'm going to talk about with a minute in a minute. It's got Joe Buller in it. No. Because I've just realised something. There is a Joe Buller film I've seen this week, but I didn't finish it, so I didn't bring it. And I know it's a film that is so shit. It's good. Gamer. It's on oh, Amazon. Gamer. Fucking. Gamer. If what? One, if, that what? should have been much better. <laughs> should have been much better. <laughs> yeah. Um, Stanley Sugarman is a former basketball star for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now he works as an international basketball scout traveling the world looking for the next big basketball star. But this constant traveling is taking its toll in his marriage and his relationship with his daughter. He realizes his dream when he's promoted to assistant coach, but he's soon then demoted when the owner dies and the son takes over. Lost and feeling down about losing his dream job, he stumbles across Bo Cruz at a local basketball court in Spain. Mm. Stanley believes in Cruz's skill and tries to get him in the NBA draft despite no one else believing in the young Spaniard's ability. Stanley puts it all on the line, including his job, as he trains him to be the best. But with Cruz having a checkered past and a crisis of confidence, the question remains, is Cruz as talented as Stanley believes or is Stanley so desperate to be a coach he's putting all his energy into the wrong person? Mm. So... What I've established there is not Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler does slapstick comedy. And you know what? This film has those jokes, which I don't think are very good. And the cast, Robert Duvall is a very Adam Sandler actor for me. He's in his, he just wants a paycheck. Yeah, this this movie, if you say it was Adam Sandler, a basketball movie, yeah. I would say, what mascot does he play? Exactly. Um, so this is all, let's be honest, you're all here listening to what I think. I do not like Adam Sandler. I don't like Adam Sandler because he's a talented man who takes, takes the easy way out and makes shit films. Yeah. I think there's a reason, there's a lot of reason that people are talking Oscar talk. And it's because when Adam Sandler doesn't make a fart joke or make it put on a stupid voice, we automatically think the film is going to be better. Oh my God, he's not an idiot. He's mm. not playing a stupid character. He's not doing stupid things. A la Hubie Halloween, one of the worst films of all time. Uncut Gems, very good. It is. But also at the same time, it's because we believe in Adam Sandler that when he doesn't do these things, we automatically like boost him up. So if you're mm. not playing a prat or being an idiot or just basically being that soul destroying is, we automatically think it's going to be better. Funny, funny people was a film where he didn't play that. And we all automatically thought, Oh my God, it's going to be so much better. But in reality it was, it was a good film. Yeah. Well, was, um, was, what about the Spanglish? No, um, Love Punch Drunk movie. I don't actually remember. I've seen that film. I don't really remember that much. Very good in that. So Adam Sandler here. He's very good. Mm. Um, I believe the character of Stanley Sugarman. It's very good. The relationship he has with Bo Cruz, the, the Spanish basketball star that could make him big. You know, he rides everything. It's very good. There's a good dynamic. There's enough that he, you know, he brings Bo Cruz into his life. It's like, he, he without spoilers, he changes the aspect of his life because he starts, he becomes solely focused on this because this is the character. If this player is what everything he says, he can get back to his dream life. I feel a book coming. But I didn't think it was, I, I thought it was all right. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's all right. It's fine. It, the film doesn't annoy me, but when people cry, oh, it's so good, I do disagree. It's like, it's a good film. But for example, Rocky, 
Rocky has sporting montage. You know, he's, you know, he doesn't want to fight in the second film because his wife's in a coma. But then he has the, you know, she says yes, so he has to do the the, the boxing montage. In the fourth one, fight Norris, he has to do a boxing montage. And we always we always like to point out there's a montage within a montage because a montage, and then in that montage, there's another montage. You need a montage. Inception. Inception montages. There's a montage in this film that lasts about 16 minutes. And I was like, I get it. He's getting better at playing basketball. <laughs> Um, what if this guy's supposed to have a really big checkered pass, Bo, Bo Cruz, it's supposed to be a risk, but we as an audience never see that risk. So there's never any of this perennial damage that could happen. I like the idea, and it's only ever hinted at slightly, that uh, Stanley Sugarman could actually be wrong about Bo. I think your story is, are you trying to force this? But it's played more as Stanley knows, but everyone else is stupid. Mm. Stanley knows the sport. He's a former player. He knows it. He knows he's, he's never wrong about a player. But I think the story should be, the story set up that he is, he's taking a risk on Bo. But when you see Bo play and when you see the character of Bo, there's no risk. It's mm. like, yeah, he's a really good player. So you know at the end he's going to make it into the NBA draft. You don't, there's no, there's no concern. There's no tension because we as an audience are told that Bo's definitely got it. Stanley's right. No one else is. Whether it should have been, he could be. He's got potential but he's Stanley forcing it. He's not as good as he thought. They missed the story for me. That's the better storyline, which is only hinted at. And then I feel, you know, when you're watching the film halfway through, you think it's been rewritten. Mm. There is a bit of a tonal shift where you go, oh, but I'm going to give it to you here, Sandler. You did good acting. It's, you, you, Rocky's a good uh, comparison because Rocky, like the point was, it wasn't, it was never winning. It was going the distance. Yeah. He wasn't a quitter. No one, you know, he wasn't going to get knocked out. He was going to, he was going to be the working man's winner in that fight. He, he won the crowd. Imagine the balls in the rematch in Rocky Two if he lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking hell! Didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, but we, but the, like all things, and there's a lot of real athletes. I believe there's a lot of players from the Philadelphia 76ers. Athletes aren't actors. You very rarely get an athlete that can act. I mean, Michael Jordan was brilliant at selling you, you know, pizza. But he was pretty shit in acting. So. Mm. Uh, it doesn't work. There's a lot of bland acting, but uh, the hustle. I thought it was okay. Well, okay's better. It's better than nothing. The only thing is, you wanted to start strong, and I wanted to end strong. <laughs> uh, so, what you're saving a movie? I'm saving two movies for what I can only assume is the crescendo of perfection. In it, I cannot wait. I was just thinking there was it. There was a basketball player in Uncut Gems. I cannot remember. Oh, there who it was, was. and right. he was good. He was good, actually. And I can't remember which one it was. I don't watch basketball, so I don't really know. No, I do. I, I do what? Of the sports, mate, I don't like basketball the most because it's the most pointless sport until the last 20 seconds. Because the score's always the same until the last 20 seconds and that's when you win the game. See, I do like basketball because I think basketball is the ultimate engineered game for spectators. Yeah, you have to shoot, you have to attack. Yeah, you have understand. to attack. Yeah, high scoring. You don't just get like one point, you get three. You know, it, I, I, I think basketball is really good. We always talk, I, I, what I love about this podcast is we're like, Oh, you know, uh, you, you know, boxing is the greatest sport to transition to the screen. And then it all, is, then yeah. all of a sudden we're like, baseball's a fucking wicked sport to transition to the well, screen. Well, what's weird is the best films I always find, this is a conversation, the best films to film are the ones I'm not interested. So uh, mm. baseball on film, fucking love it. Boxing, it, the problem is boxing's, boxing on film is made to look too exciting. Mm. In in boxing on film, they want blocks. <laughs> they just get seven shades of shit kicked out of them. Whereas, whereas in real life, they blocking balls. It's shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm in a mood for a really good sporting drama. Yeah. Um, a you, new one or? Yeah, because I remember when I watched, um, what was it, Rush? I loved Rush. I had no expectation going into that because I'm not a Formula One race car driving kind of, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I freaking love that movie. Yeah. I know they're remaking League of Their Own and I just want to scream, leave it. 
Yeah, leave, leave it. it alone. Don't we knew. Yeah. Um, all right, I've got Inceptor. Do you want to save that for a minute? Save it. Save let's it. do um, Let's do this one. So I'm going to lower the tone in a movie <laughs> that wasn't as good. I'm going to talk about a film. I'm going to say Joe Bullers for the end. Yeah. I'm going to talk about a film called The Contractor. Again, 2022, so very new on Amazon Prime at the moment. It's an action thriller from uh, Terry Salah. It stars Chris Pine and Ben Foster, Ooh. who I was expecting the magic that I witnessed in Hell or High Water when them two were in it with Jeff Bridges. I really like that movie. I thought that movie was good. And it rested on the shoulder of Chris Pine and uh, and Ben Foster. The two of them worked brilliantly together. This also has Keith Sutherland. It has an Eddie <gasps> Marsden scene in it. What? Mate, you've got me tickled pink. I'm ready. It has four characters, four actors in it that, that you'd, you'd expect good from. Wait for the most <laughs> benign storyline you've seen a hundred times. Pine plays a special forces sergeant, James Harper, yeah. a man with the military in his veins and America in his heart. Oh, when Harper is involuntarily discharged, <laughs> he's, he's died because because you can't store a country. <laughs> it's like, I love that. If they was like, well, obviously, it's well, like he had Texas in his liver. <laughs> he's dead. <laughs> Dennis Quaid is on his way right now to sort this out. Tune into last week's episode where we talked about it in a space. No, uh, Harper is involuntarily discharged uh, due to side effects and injuries sustained while serving the country he's sworn, sworn to protect. So his knees shattered. Mm. Beginning of the movie. <laughs> knees weak. Arms are heavy. <laughs> yeah, there's vomit on his sweater. I think it's his mom's spaghetti. Um, he's up against panel. They're saying you've you've lost it, man. You you know, and because he's because he's because he's fucking loves the military that much. He's on a concoction of drugs to hide the pain, to mask the swelling oh, no. that then make him fail the drugs test and the army are like, you know, you, Bro. you, you can leave now uh, without your pension and all that shit um, or we'll like basically shame you and all this kind of, we'll do it the ugly way. So he's kind of strong armed into leaving the military without his pension, without his lifeline, without everything he's entitled to for putting his life on the line. So um, struggling to make ends meet with himself and his family, he's then approached by his friend, an ex-forces comrade, who says, I've got a job for you. Oh, yeah. It's for a private company. Oh, yeah. Nothing too uh, dangerous. It's security. It's a couple of extractions. It's surveillance. Of course. Off the grid, black ops. Ooh. You know, it, we're going to go into territories where the government doesn't know you are and we'll turn their back on you. But there's nothing to worry about, James. Well, why would you worry about this? And trust this guy called Rusty, played by Kiefer Sutherland. He's all right. He's got an American flag and he's got what can only be described as a redneck cult outside his house. But trust this guy because he's going to pay well and he's going to pay you up front as well. Okay. They get a job. They have to fly out to Berlin. It's, they're told it's just a standard observation. It's a, to gather intel. But when they're out there, they realise that the lab that they're looking at is actually a um, ISIS lab developing a new weapon, a bioweapon. They're told to go in, storm it, take the evidence, destroy anyone in there, take no prisoners kind of job. Or are they actually looking for a cure? Is it that actually these are the good guys and Chris Pine is working for the bad guys and actually that what they've developed could be worth a lot on the black market? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes, because that was fucking obvious the moment Chris Pine went to Keeper Sutherland's house. Because if not, you wouldn't have a film, would you? It's like, they were good. It's like, yep. Yeah. They just went back and there's a 45 minute scene them having a barbecue. Yeah. Well, that was all quick, wasn't it? It's Oh, you trained really well and yeah. everything went well. <laughs> I told you it was an easy job. But, you know. <laughs> Look, end. The film's just called, I was, it's exactly what I said it would be. Yeah. So you get, you know, you get the, the acts that you know you're going to get. You're going to get the setup. You're going to get the, the, um, the moment where actually is everything 
that you've been watching Smoke and Mirrors or actually, you know, is it, you know, is there a double cross that's about to happen? Very born identity. I mean, this film wishes it was born identity. <laughs> uh, sorry, born, I would say, uh, the first one. Um, you, you've got the scenes, you know, where you know you're going to have to slow the film down. So you need, you need a character to come in who's going to just dump a load of exposition so that, you know, if you nod it off, you can't... Enter Eddie Marsden no, well, that's good. in his <laughs> usual one scene paycheck, um, you know, and, and then it picks up again and, you know, he's going to bring the war home and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's, it is absolute nuts and bolts and inconsistent. This guy's knee, one minute he can't walk, next minute he's carrying a guy on his shoulders. Like, it's like, make your mind up with his knee. I Who's, don't know what's happening. Because of America. Because of America. <laughs> you know, and then... Um, I love the fact you had to question that. That's the answer to all of these films. Because of America. It, is, it was a box office bomb. It made two million on a 50 million budget. This is this film came out. Yeah, it came out in the cinema. Yeah, this. <laughs> Sorry, this is such. I, I expect it of Kiefer Sutherland because like the the twenty four checks are dried up. Yeah. He's got his musical career. This is great for Kiefer Sutherland. I imagine a couple of days on set to do some at the beginning. Do a couple of scenes where you're talking down the telephone. Come for the big ending. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fine. Later, I'm gonna have a drink. Ben Foster and Chris Pine though. This film was beneath them. They are much better, bigger, and and this is this is you know this is like a. Um, Liam Neeson would have signed up to this movie. Mm. Uh, funnily enough, I'm going to talk about another movie <laughs> in a minute. Could sign Joe Butler that you would have thought Liam Neeson <laughs> should be in this movie. Um, so it was a box office bomb. Critics were unkind to it. Um, I've seen, I have seen worse. I've seen a lot worse than this film. Um, but it, it, I, I was bored. And yeah. I've seen a lot of these recently. This seems to be Amazon Prime's bag. Amazon Prime loves this shit. You know, that like special forces, black ops kind of stuff. You know, they, they're constantly making these kind of films that involve a high tech group, a, a small military outfit going into an unknown off the grid. If you get caught, we don't know you, you know, stuff. It's very samely, isn't it? Yeah. And having to fucking defy the odds, you know, whether it's be a Chris Ryan fucking spin off or whether it be, um, what was that movie I saw about with Sam Jackson, Maggie Q in it. Fuck knows, but Michael Keaton was in it as well. I've seen this film loads of times now and it yeah. seems to always be on Amazon prime. Um, yeah, it had, it had outbursts of decency of decent fight choreography at times. But on the whole, it was really, really boring, to be honest. It does it. The thing is, it, it doesn't, in the first half of the movie, sell Chris Pine to be this super soldier that can do what he does. It sounds, it sounds like he's a drug addict. Yeah. Got kicked it, out of the arm. At the beginning of the movie, it's not like, you're the best, goddammit, but you're reckless, you're maverick, or whatever <laughs> it like, is. No, you're peeled off your teeth. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, you, you, your piss has come back with some drugs in it, off you go. You never, at the beginning of the movie, get the idea that he's like this super soldier that, that can take on like a. a um, you know, an underground unit like he does and take on the system that have employed him and get back from Berlin with a fake passport to the, to the United States and confront the fucking double crosses. You don't, you never get that from his character. He does it. Yeah. Because of America. Because of America. America. You know, like Liam Neeson, at least in Taken, he has that phone call in just a few words. Yeah, you know how bad you're like. Is. Fuck, they've messed with the wrong person's kid. <laughs> it's just like they're real Chris Pine. He's like, yeah, I'll probably come. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if my knees are right, I don't know. Am I? Might, I'll hobble. You know? <laughs> See what happens. Yeah, <laughs> is there any swimming involved? <laughs> Fuck, you know. He you know, doesn't have that. I, I'd fucking love to see where he brings up the villains. Is like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, quick, go upstairs. You can't handle the stairs well. You know, and it, it has, I, I don't know. I think, I think military folk, people that like these films, people that like um, your Steven Seagal kind of films that are like one man army stuff. Yeah. You know, there's enough in this, but I like Chris Pine. I think Chris Pine is very, very good. And 
He's a very interesting. I watched like that. What was that movie? That Outlaw King or whatever it's called recently. Yeah. It, he was the best thing in the Wonder Woman movie. I'm sorry, but he was in. It's um, definitely the in, second one, in the yeah. second one. Sorry, yeah. it's definitely the second one. Um, Star Trek. It, I like everything. Pines in Hello High War. I thought was a great movie. Yeah, he's got him in here though, hasn't he? He's got these shit. Is it? Is it a lot? Is it something that he filmed and thought he'd forget about during lockdown? Yeah, I don't know. It's he'd pay the bills probably. Yeah, it's a shame. It, but it's not bad enough to go in the pit. It's not bad. It's, no, no, it's not. It's not terrible. It's just, There's a lot of people that will like this movie. It's just same like. It's very, very same. You've seen this film, James. You've seen it. Oh, that's a shame. Should we go again? Let's go again. Let's. Where were we? We were in like Baghdad somewhere. Without no Berlin, actually. The oh, whole Berlin. actually, but interestingly, I read afterwards that the film was shot in Romania. Oh, <laughs> thank you. So Jewel was shot in Finland. This was shot in Romania. Romania. 2014, a film came out that charmed the world. I know for a fact it charmed my co-presenter here, and he's been a huge fan, proponent of putting it in the vault for many a moon. What film I talk about is written and directed by Paul King, starring oh. Ben Whishaw, Hugh Bonneville, Sally Hawkins, Julie Walters, Jim Broadbent, Peter Capaldi, an American, Nicole Kidman, except for Chanel American, Josh Australian. Um, what have we got here? We've got Paddington. The children's books come to life on the big screen. Is it Milne? No, that was a... Oh, I didn't actually write that down. Milne did. No, he did Winnie the Pooh, didn't he? Yes. Um, an explorer comes across two bears in the darkest Peru and befriends them. The bears learn about the great taste of marmalade and when the explorer leaves, he tells the bears that if they're ever in London, to look him up and they can come live with him. Many years later, their little bear sets off for London with nothing but the explorer's old red hat, a suitcase, and a love of marmalade sandwiches. Oh, yeah, he does. In London, he meets the Brown family, by-the-book father Henry and free-spirited mother Mary and their two young children. They decide to help the bear find the explorer while naming him after the train station they picked him up in, Paddington. Great scene here where they say, what shall we name him? And highlighted just above him is the name Paddington. Because I turned to Esther and said, it'd be a completely different story if they looked up and there's a bit of graffiti that said, Colin Gobble's yeah. cock. Or if they find him in Cockfosters. <laughs> that is an actual train station. Yeah, so That's where I normally park when I go to London. I park at Cockfosters to get the Cause, tube in. Because you'll remember where you are. <laughs> but so I'm just saying, luckiest fucking bear in the world. Um, a friendship blossoms, despite Mr. Brown's reservations, as the clumsy bear forces his way into the heart of the family. And just when everything seems to be going well, an evil, an evil presence threatens to spoil Paddington Bear and his marmalade. Ooh. Ooh, this is on Netflix. A lot of people have been telling me to watch this, but Esther's seen it. If Esther's seen this film and I haven't, everyone's talking about great, I'm in trouble. So I can see her and tell her to watch Internal Sunshine's Apocalypse Minds. This film, big proponent of it. You told me to put it in the vault. You called it charming. You said it was a new level of charming. It was charming you never knew existed. Mm. My been... heart didn't know what was coming for it when I watched this film. I thought this film was okay. Nah, I'm only joking. This film was brilliant. It's it, was, it, was, it was everything. It, it was everything that was built up. It's not a children's story. It's a story for everyone. It's heartwarming. It's brilliant. When you're watching, you're watching a creation of something that I like to call quintessential British. Yeah. It celebrates everything. It celebrates marmalade. And I'm going to put it out there, marmalade shit, but if Paddington likes it, I'm all right with that. Michael Bond wrote them, yeah. Yeah, it is. Paul King's tapped into something here, something that can only be expressed as that feeling of a warm hog. It's a mm. warm hog on the film. It's your favourite, I believe the term used was, it's your favourite It's your favorite pair of socks. Mm. And I would say it's a hog cup of tea and a hog. Um, charming throughout. Peter Capaldi does his best to become a bit of an arsehole, but I love Peter Capaldi so much that he gets away with it. And going to put my heart off it, usually kick Nicole Kidman quite a lot when she's down because fuck her, I don't like her very much because she sells me Odeon tickets when I'm sat in the Odeon That's and weird, I will yeah. never forgive you for that. Brilliant as the villain here. Mm. Nice little turn of pace. But quite possibly, stand out, 
I'm going to say that Julie Waters is one of the most underrated women in British history. Yeah. Uh, and what? Sally Hawkins is great. Sally Hawkins is great. They both were brilliant. Um, I'm not a big fan of Hugh Bonneville. Purely I don't watch Downton Abbey. Purely because so. I've never seen Downton Abbey. So I, when everyone talks about how great it is. But do you know what? A fantastic screen, a fantastic childhood memory brought to the big screen that's fun for many generations. Mm. It's very rare. So we were talking about Inner, inner Space. I think that's a generational film. I think if you sit down with a kid, you can watch that. And as an adult, you'll understand that. And the kid will be like, ha, this is cool. Mm. But I think that's something that we've genuinely lost as an audience is there are very little films now. I think one of the last ones might have been Shrek. Shrek would have like a slapstick moment and then there would be a joke that you would only understand if you were yeah. like a teenage boy. Nowadays, you don't really seem to get that. Maybe in the Minions a little bit, but there are very rarely films that are for generations. Paddington was a charming uh, addition to my uh, life and will and the biggest compliment I can give it is that is on the reel of films I'll go back to watch uh, Paddington was as charming as it was British and it was very British that's the, my, that's my closing line there. <laughs> um, I really like this film uh, it's hard to talk about why because it's the act of watching the film the film is utterly charming Ben Ben Winshaw gives Paddington this loneliness but at the same time this longing he, so the story's told through him also writing letters to his aunt living back in darkest Peru, which I love the fact it's called darkest Peru. Mm. It, it really helps me. I want to put it in the vault, and which, oh, we, mate, which we now can do. But also, it brings up the question, though, have we found that example where the sequel is better than the original? Just on the first one for a minute. Yeah. Because it is worth, there are, I, I love the first one. I like that at the very beginning because I, when I when I put it on, I, I, we we read the Paddington books as kids growing up, and like our parents read them to us and stuff. So I very much know Paddington, the marmalade sandwiches. You know, um, my kid has a Paddington, two Paddington bears. You know, like it's 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 an inherited thing. I the the, the point of this film was I was always like, how in a live action do you get the bear in London? Yeah, you know, what, broken out of a zoo or whatever it is, you know, and. Doesn't matter. The opening is so charming. Yes. Because Michael Gambon obviously does one of the voices. Ben Whishaw's voice is instantly is Paddington. Yeah. Um, And the whole scene at the beginning, which is very CGI driven, is heartbreaking as well. Like, Mm. I I was like, God, I'm emotionally invested already in this film. Do you know that's So I don't like the film up because I don't get emotionally invested. Mm. So none of those times, Richard, I I don't feel a connection, that heartbreaking story where I'm just like, you're a monster, James. I, but in this film it works yeah so you get you understand like the uncle's demise and they, they're moving on the ant and you're yeah. like oh he is alone <laughs> so and it does that thing where they just address the fact that there's a bear that can talk and it's alone like they, when they see him in the train station they're just like don't talk to him as if they see it all the time you know like and there are loads of scenes that I love about it like the, the pigeons in the train station when he's trying to eat the sandwich the bit when he's communicating with the dad and he tries to teach him how to speak bear and he's like how dare you say that it's, it's <laughs> just it's just it is it's the one liners that come it's like why are you using the ear cleaner on your teeth it's yeah. just like um, the, the abs- that bathroom scene is hilarious as well you know when it starts to flood and, and it's slapstick Mr Bean style comedy I was just say that Hugh Bonneville in his flashbacks can pull off a fucking moustache yeah and he, my favourite scene is how fatherhood changed you because this is how, you know he rode to he went to hospital on a motorbike and he came back in a fucking estate car I was like yep that's fatherhood that's how it. he's like She's uh, Judy Waters is telling stories like oh fatherhood changes man fucking instantly mm. that moustache is going <laughs> I love the film and you know, it has all those things where it uses that street in London that every film yep. facing London wants London to be. <laughs> but it's not. But it's not. It's fucking knee deep urine. <laughs> yeah. But um, I tell you, I genu- genuinely, when the pandemic hit and we were all in lockdown and it was scary and people didn't know what was happening and 
you know, we had loved ones and family members and we were hearing stories about like care homes and all that kind of stuff. I shit you not, Paddington and Paddington 2, were the, were, I put them on deliberately because I wanted to escape the world and the death toll and the infection rate and the, and the that we didn't know what was happening. I remember being sat in the room that we're recording now and at the time it was, the, we had it as our living room and I was like, I just need to put something on that is heartwarming. And I hadn't seen the second. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the first one and then I went straight into it. And I laughed and I fucking felt good and I felt safe and it was, films will do that. Every now and again, a film will come out of it you can never actually understand why it meant so much when you watched it. But the second one, now, if you're going to go into that route, which we're going to talk about now is, is it better in circumstance? I needed that film when I put it on Yeah, and it delivered. This would, this would be the last one I got written down because I've got the other stuff. So, um, do you want me to pause? Or do no, do Paddington 2, yeah. Paddington 2, 2017, only three years later, written and directed by Paul King. The cast are joined by Brendan uh, Gleason and Hugh Grant. Oh my fucking God. How could you get better? <laughs> Mr. Knuckles and fucking, what is his name? Phoenix. Uh, I've got it written down in a sec. Anyway, Paddington has settled into living with the Brown family and is everyone's friend to the local residents. Fucking even more British talent on show here. Yeah. Um, everything is going so well that he starts working in order to buy a present for his Aunt Lucy back home in darkest Peru. He decides to buy a pop-up book of London, but unbeknownst to him, local actor Phoenix Buchanan wants the book as it contains clues to some treasure. Phoenix frames Paddington for the theft of the book and is sent to jail where he befriends Mr. Knuckles for a mutual love of marmalade sandwiches. Outside, the Browns fight for Paddington's innocence and try to bring down the dastardly Phoenix. Um, Dastardly is such a good word for him. I'm going to say that Hugh Grant, and Hugh Grant gets a lot of stick from me because, you know what, in hindsight, I don't know why, because Hugh Grant is a fucking hero in this film. He he, he understands the film he's in on a level that I don't think, do you know what, no, that's bullshit because Brendan Gleeson they're all brilliant Brendan Gleeson mm. is Mr. Knuckles and the the, the capers that the, the cops have I think this film's phenomenal I genuinely mm. think this film is is one of the best films I've ever seen this might this, this would be up there if we had a category of favourite child children's films yeah it'd probably be it yeah. Paddington 2 is is a tour de force of so I don't want to use the charm because that's how I describe the first one the second one is a tour de force of your heart mm. it's so good it's like the Ben Winshaw voice when he gets sentenced and he doesn't understand and he's you know and then he's writing his letter to Aunt Lucy and he's pretending he's not in jail and then the fucking the scene mate where he rubs tomato ketchup into Mr Knuckles oh, yeah. and he's like I know what gets out mustard but it's not like over the top or animated and then he's just slowly pouring at me goes no I don't think it was mustard <laughs> into cut and which one of the funniest things is it starts off when he says uh, Mr Knuckles can I give you some pointers about your tea and then the guy just goes send a medic up to the infirmary and then he like touches him and goes send a vicar <laughs> <laughs> just fucking loved yeah. it mate or then, and then it goes and it's, it's ridiculous you do have to take a you have to forget it the fact that all the prisoners are now wearing pink jumpsuits and mm. they get read to sleep every night by the warden it's a fucking phenomenal story yeah. it's brilliant I genuinely have I don't remember Paddington books I fucking want to read Paddington books now. Yeah, they, I mean, there were never grand adventures like this, but it was, you know, it was like Paddington loses his kite. But, um, <laughs> but now. I remember watching the second one and I, I, I love sets. And I've said this all the time, like big top circus or carnival sets are great. And the introduction of Hugh Grant's kind of like actor on, on the kind of fair in London scene. Yeah. I was like, this looks brilliant. And I, I audibly gasped a scene where the pop-up book comes to life. Yes. Oh, that's so beautifully animated yeah, as well. I was yeah. like, that is stunning. That, yes. that whole sequence was stunning. Um, 
the other thing as well as I like in the first one, which comes into the second one, he never, so Paddington never at any point hurts or injures or threatens anyone. Yeah. You know, the best, best, his only line of defense is a cool, hard stare. <laughs> and it, and it's great how like grown adults, like what are you doing? Oh, don't do that. It kind of like, you know, even the most intimidating person. And then afterwards, he even apologizes like, oh, so I didn't, I didn't mean, I didn't want to have to do that. And it's so fucking polite. In the second one as well, I had to pull it up. But I remember that quote, if the, if you're kind and polite, the world will be all right. And I think that's a good motto to live mm. by. It's very, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's genuinely, the TV is, it's mesmerizing. Yeah. It's, den- it's genuinely hypnotic. And it's weird because you just watch it. The story is like, it's in jail. That's it. And oh, he gets mm. out of jail. But the idea that Hugh Grant brings something that I generally think you might want be one of Hugh Grant's best performances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing with Hugh Grant, you're right. It's like, why do people like, what, you know, and I know there's the stuff in his personal life, but, you know. I mean, it's Hollywood. Everyone's got, you know, everyone's got yeah. skeletons, haven't they? So. But I mean, he was, he was the British heartthrob. For me, it's when he went over to America and started doing them shit movies with like Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Like that witness protection one and that one with Drew Barrymore, like the music and lyrics or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's like, stop trying to be a British export in crappy, you were good because they were British, they were Richard Curtis movies. Yes. You know, that's, come back, Q, you know, and yeah. when he did and now he has. I just think- I, I, I embrace the man. I genuinely thought he was brilliant and the, the extra leg. And, and weirdly, through this film, you forget about, so there's the Indian actor, the Indian British actor who was in um, that clip show made by the four Indianites, whose name I forgot, but I, was like, I forgot about him. You know, Jenny, yeah. he's like, and then you get the lady from space. Yeah, Sandy, oh, I won't remember his name. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Sanjeev, um, oh, I'll come to me. I, did, I didn't think I was going to mention it, so I didn't talk about it, but it's great because you'd be like, oh, I didn't, oh, just them, them was, yeah. Oh, yeah, brilliant, fantastic. Um, there's a third film in the pipes. Mm. Found that out. Which will disappoint me because you and I have always tried to find. We've always tried to do a two-part, haven't we? But there's only two films and it won't be this because Bunnington 3 is going. And I just, I, there's so much writing on this film. Sanjeev Bhaskar. Sanjeev Bhaskar. But it, great to see him. Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. And I, I love this sort of film because it makes me celebrate, makes me proud to be British because there's a film with very little storyline mm. that's captivated the world. It, it is brilliant. And it's, it's, it, when you know it's quality when no one, everyone wants the third, but everyone's dangerously scared of the third. Yes. No one's ever pulled off, as far as I'm aware. No one's pulled off the trilogy. No. In, in, in if they did it, like, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, but you could say Temple's got dry moments in it, and tonally, mm. it's a horror movie. Star, you know, Star Wars. And then they the fucking tri- but, they butchered well, it with. But no, the Paddington. If the third one was as good as the second one, it would be a perfect. Mm. It would be a near perfect trilogy. Yeah, it would be. It'd be up there with. You're probably right. The original Star Wars trilogy. So I'm, I'm going to say this, mate, and it just comes as no shock. Not only do I want it in the vault, I want it head in the vault. Yeah. I want it, I want it near the top. In you case actually told me into what do we watch them now. It's so they good. are good. The, do you know what the genuine upsetting thing is? You can only watch them first for the first yeah. thing once. That's literally it. Yeah, and I think I said to you the first time I watched it, that I envied you that you can go watch it for the first time. And I've I said it to it. anyone who hasn't. <laughs> yeah, but it's like losing your virginity again, James. Um, so what's really weird is, uh, this put me in such a good mood, which is why I think I was nice to the film Hustle, because I watched Hustle after that, and I was just like, you know what, I'm still riding that Paddington high. Mm. And that's, just, Hustle might be shit. I was just too happy. <laughs> Did you see Paddington with the Queen as well recently? Yes. The Jubilee. That's why I started watching them, because I was like, yeah. and there's an artist who obviously made a picture of Paddington, and she became global. She's had to hire other companies to fucking produce this picture because everyone was like, hey, he was heartwarming. And I'm not a big royalist, but fucking good for the queen. Yeah. I, good I, for I, you. Yeah. That was, I, like, I do like that bit where he's like, I always save her mama so much for an occasional less and the queen <laughs> fucking pulls one out of her handbag. 
Yeah. Oh, seriously, seriously though, marmalade shit. <laughs> Just get rid. I bet. I bet there's an increase in marmalade sales after that film. Yeah, definitely. And then I imagine they died <laughs> shortly <laughs> after. Um, I've got two more to go. Yeah. I'll save Interceptor because I know you've seen it, so yeah. we'll talk about that again in a minute. Last Scene Alive, 2022, the third movie that's... Uh, so that's a brand new movie on Netflix, brand new movie on Amazon Prime, now brand new movie on Sky Cinema on RTV. Last Scene Alive, directed by Brian Goodman. It stars Gerald Butler and Jamie Alexander. Well, I haven't seen Jamie Alexander in a while. Yeah, I like it. I watched that... F- I only watched the first season of that one where she's got all the tattoos, and I can never remember what it's called. No, no, can I? It's been um, ages since I've seen her, actually. What? When was that? F- yeah, because she dropped out of four, didn't she? Yeah. She did the first two movies. I don't think she's been back in it since. The Black... No, it wasn't Is this black. the one that she left it for? She's coming back, isn't she? She's coming back. Yeah. Smart move, because all the other te- all the team got killed. Yes, killed, exactly. Like, so she's like, oh, I'm back now. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the last scene alive. This is... Uh, I didn't even know it was on the radar. Last time I saw uh, Gerard, I don't know if he was in Olympus Has Fallen or... Ghost Hunter or <laughs> Greenland. I don't know what it was that I last saw him in. It was Greenland. And you didn't mind it that much? No. And, well, Gerald <laughs> Butler. Gerald Butler plays Will, who, along with his wife, Lisa, are travelling to Lisa's parents' house, where she plans to stay for a few weeks. The couple are growing distance. They're going through difficulty. She needs space. He's driving to drop her off for two weeks. A last ditch to keep her in the car and to drive off into the sunset together. He pulls over to a petrol station, gas station in America mm. uh, to fuel up. They're only 15 minutes away, but as he pulls in, he's like, no, look, we don't have to do this, but you don't have to spend this time away. We can work it out. And she's like, look, we're 15 minutes away. And he's like, well, I still need gas. I'm pulling in. Pulls into the petrol station. She, he fuels up. She goes to get a bottle of water. Uh, <gasps> where she doesn't come out. There or she go. does, but we don't see where she goes. Will is then left searching, going in the petrol station, going around the petrol station. No one's seen her. What's happened? She's not in the tourist. This is a Kurt Russell film, isn't it? Kurt Russell film? There's a Kurt Russell film where he's driving a car, he stops off at a gas station and his car breaks down. And so a trucker is like, oh, I'll drive your wife to the next town. And then he realises his car's been tampered with, fixes the car and then goes and the truck's like, no, I never picked up your wife. And everyone's working for the... That is a film, yeah. It is a film. Yeah. Sure. Is, it, is it this? This is, it. this is a 90-minute uh, thriller uh, we, Will, Joe Butler's character, then has to take the law into his own hands oh, to try and track it down. A film that screams Liam Neeson, I'll be honest, <laughs> in this film. It is a B-movie, low-budget, 90-minute um, dr- like action thriller that will will delight Joe Butler fans, I'll be honest. Because if you need... Joe Butler, what he, do, what he does have in his canon and his arsenal is that rough, tough... If if you need someone to take the law into their own hand, he will do it. He looks like the guy that would do that. Yeah. You know, often in these films, like with this one, he plays like a contractor, he plays a landscape developer or whatever it is. Successful. Um, oh no, the last one I watched was that one where he took out the police station. Oh, Cop Out. Oh, I Not Cop project. Out, but whatever that was. Cop oh, Out was the Kevin Smith movie. Oh, okay. I, but yeah, yeah. That, that that Amazon Prime movie as well. Um, he looks like the guy that gets his hands dirty and, and will leave Neeson in it and get the person back. Chop Shop. Chop shop, something that was, like yeah, that. Yeah, cop shop, so whatever it yeah. was. Um, the film doesn't. It's just set up really well. Like you watch it, and there is a bit of there is a bit of nice trickery at the beginning where you, as the audience member, are as confused as Joe Butler. You're like, where did she go? Because she was talking to someone. You hear a voice off screen. A van moves and blocks your uh, your your vision, and then she's disappeared. And 
you, you know, it, I do like how it throws you into a film where in the first three minutes you are as confused as you are, but you're like, it, you know, does the guy behind the counter have anything to do with it? Who's that person in the shop? Who's that trucker who's filling up gas? Like, what's going on? Like, someone here has seen something. Someone's done something. Mm. Um, is he involved? You know, like, he, they're going through a difficulty. Is he, has he plotted this? You know, um, the police, when they arrive, he's the first suspect. They're like, has you got an insurance policy? And he's like, yeah, over a million. He's like, well, it looks like you fucking did this then, mate. If you were getting a divorce, you're the prime suspect. So the first three minutes in this movie, I was like, this is good. This is what, when I want to lose myself in a 90 minute movie, this is good writing. This is interesting. This is, this is going to keep me going. Like all films, it does start to lose itself towards the third act. I think because Joe Willer has a charismatic, uh, like a charismatic attitude towards him, and he and he and I do believe he's the kind of person that will, you know, kick down a trailer and go in and like wrestle a man to find out where his wife is. He, them scenes deliver well. That is in his wheelhouse. In the third act, it kind of goes somewhere that's a little bit. I didn't see it going there from the beginning in a bad way, mm. and there's one particular CGI explosion that just really doesn't look good that if you just took that out and took that effect out, you have a pretty good 90 minute B movie Ooh. fucking get dirt under your fingernails type of movie. I talk about this all the time. I started this podcast actually by talking about The Rock saying he does my head in because he plays the same guy and everything is a vehicle for how good The Rock is. And yeah. I like The Rock. Walking Tall though was a good movie where he played the guy that came back to his hometown, didn't like the way that it looked. Instead of picking up a gun, he picked up a plank of fucking wood and started beating men down. And this had that kind of mentality to it. Like if the police aren't going to do it and no one's going to take this seriously, he'll fucking get it done. With a block of wood. Yeah, and a gun and a few other bits and pieces. But what the other thing, and this this is just me and, it, and I get it, but... There's another part of it where I thought, don't be Gerald Butler, you know, like take a few punches, get shot, but don't be the fucking, the action hero. And, you know, because he's not a cop, he's not a bodyguard, he's not Liam Neeson in Taken, where you can go, well, that's what he fucking does and he does it very well and you've fucking messed with the wrong person. And this is kind of like, oh, so although he's like a construction like developer, he fucking knows how to fire a gun, does it? Like, shocking that. Yeah, and he, he knows how to like you know, interrogate someone. It's like, fucking hell, where did he acquire these skills? Washington 24, like, <laughs> yeah, that's how he seems to get. Yeah, these Jack Bauer's another character, though, that you kind of believe it when Keith Sullivan's doing that shit. Yeah. In this, I'm like, if it started off where it was like the Dean and background, it's like, you know, like in the car with his wife, he's like, you've not been the same since you got out of the army. <laughs> yeah, that's enough for me yeah. to be like, oh, he knows these fucking things. But she would not been the same since that, that concrete conference yeah <laughs> that's what it's like, it's like yeah. all right okay yeah. yeah um do you know what last scene alive it is middle of the road it's bang average middle of the road but i put it on like my kid had a 90 minute nap and i fucking put this on and it ended the moment she woke up and i was like done that entertained them 90 minutes yeah. didn't what didn't look at my phone didn't get distracted i watched this movie it lost it towards the end definitely but it's fine. I like Joe Butler when he's doing this shit. I'm much like my Joe Butler now doing this, then taking on the White House or you doing doing <gasps> the doing the you know the He's not taking on the White House, but he's protecting the president. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've washed my mouth out. But do you know what I mean? Like I like Joe Butler doing these low key kind of movies. Yeah, this yeah. is his wheelhouse. This yeah. is what he's good at. It's a sad statement. <laughs> Put Gerald Butler in a movie with, uh, and I know they have because it's that chop shop, but him and Frank Grillo yeah. in a like lethal weapon style film yeah. where they're not, they're not specialists. They are diehard. It's John McClane. It's like, fucking hell, it's just because we took the call. Yeah. That is gold, <clears throat> that movie. That is gold. Fair enough. Because they're both I think, uh, great. Weirdly, the actor that you mentioned is probably one that's 
taking the roles that Joe Butler used to be prime for. Yeah, I mean, Joe Butler, you got to think he had big fucking feel, like 300, huge. Um, Yeah, the bounty. No one could have done that with uh, Jennifer Anderson. No one pulled it off. No one. (laughs) Still, no one pulled it off. Gamer, like, Gamer wouldn't be the film. That wouldn't be the film it is today, James, if it wasn't for... Still, so I, watch, I still don't get it. It's like, it's the main guy's plans to take over the human race. It's like to infect everyone and enslave them. It's like, to be fair, I haven't heard about that in a while. It's been a while since we've had wants to take over the world as an actual metaphor, as an actual end game. Maybe yeah. we should do an episode where we take all the villains who that's their end game <laughs> and who, who had the best plot? Who had yeah. the best... Who had the team... Yeah. And the mentality and the... Because a lot of them, what lets them down is themselves. They don't believe in themselves. Oh, it's a good shout actually. I'm going the guy from Street Fighter because he was literally Bison. let down. He was literally let down by Paul Ryan. The director? <laughs> the director. Critics? The fact that he, he didn't, he wanted to stay true to his arsehole so yeah. he didn't tide. What about Dennis Hopper? Yeah. Cooper. <laughs> he always turned in one of his dinosaurs, did he? I don't know. I can't fucking remember that so, movie. So when you messaged me, when you messaged me, <laughs> do you like, I might talk about video games at some point. I was like, Mario would make an interesting film. And then, and then I went, oh, we had that. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> it's like, oh, we had that. Let's do that next. I was going to say that to the end, but we were, Resident Evil, the TV series is coming out soon. And mm. um, I've uh, just started playing Battlefront 2 again on the on the Xbox, killing some time. And mm-hmm. relishing in so many great games that could become uh, films. And yeah. some that have, and never really, you know, you think of the bigger ones, the Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, Mario, Uncharted, Assassin's Creed, Creed, Resident Evil, Silent Hill, you know, all these, all these have been converted. Yeah. Sonic, you know, some are great, some aren't. I suppose there's a question there, which we didn't cover in our video game episode, is what are your games that you would want to see that would translate really well into a, into a movie? So, so we went with three, didn't we? Mm. And then, the three I would want to see, but there's a difference because my favorite film, my favorite game trilogy is Mass Effect. Love Mass Effect. Even the fourth one of people's like, the game line, the story line's crap, but the gameplay's brilliant. I would like to see a story set in that world, but part of the reason why I love Mass Effect is because my choices shape the world. Mm-hmm. So I would see Mass Effect. I would see, I would want a story set in the Mass Effect w- world, if you will. Um, have you ever played a game called Spec Ops The Line? Spec Ops Lines no. is kind of a shooter, it's a third person. However, the story that's told is a genuinely shocking... It's, it's a storyline which, when you start playing it, the first few levels, you think, oh, this is a bit generic. It's all right. It's a good game. But the storyline takes such a wild and vapid turn, you never see it coming. Yeah. And seeing that on the big screen, especially if you were sat with an audience who didn't know, you would you were in for a story, you were in for a treat. And um, the third one, I got... There's a game called XCOM about aliens invading the world. And basically it's a tactical shooter. So the storyline's quite, quite low. So you can have a lot of fun with that. But then there's something about me, mate. I've always wanted to, for no reason, see a black guy, a white guy, a white woman, a little kid in skates, a massive Mexican wrestler, beat the living fuck out of random people who I think are doing their jobs. I would want to see Streets of Rage in the fucking big screen. And I want no storyline. No. <laughs> I want them to randomly, I want, I want like the kid in skates to literally smash in like a, like I know a phone booth, pick up a pipe and go beat the living fuck out of someone. I don't know why. <laughs> I want to see Street Fire on, uh, sorry, Streets of Rage on the big screen. It's what I want to see. And Max was my boy. No, I used it was to Axel, like actually. It was like, no, it was Axel. Axel, yeah. Was Axel. Axel was the one. It was Axel. Yeah. Although I do like skate, because it's like, don't give him a name. He skates. Skate. Mm. 
Streets of Rage. So those are my three. Those are the ones I'd want to see on the big screen. Oh, another one I've always want to see is, I, I think it's only a matter of time before we see a Zelda game. Yeah, I was good. Zelda's got to be the big one. And, and the one thing I should say this is that there may be B-movies. and Yeah, but Nintendo are so notoriously, you know, like tight-lipped around their own yeah. IPs because they've been burnt before. Because there's this Far Cry gate of films and there is a... Um, UV Bowl, isn't it? Dead so. Rising, they've got films and stuff like that. Dennis yeah. Haysbert's in one of them. Um, so I'm talking like big, like yeah. Hollywood's um, A-lister kind of movies. So because someone might be like, there is a Mass Effect film, it's a, a digital film that came out in 2013. And- well, that's really weird. Like my favourite games, the storylines, is you, people on YouTube now will clip them all together mm. and you get a game story. They take away all the gameplay and they literally show you the cutscenes. Yeah. I, I like, you know, that's going to sound too nerdy. I've done that before. I've watched like Mass, uh, I've watched not Mass Effect, like Mortal Kombat 10. I just wanted to see the storyline. I didn't want to do the fights. Yeah. I just literally watched it. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I think Zelda, Zelda's got to be one. Like, I would love to see that as yeah. a live action, big screen. And again, there's probably an animated film. There's probably, you know, whatever. But that, that to me is, is so I think the other ones, the, the other, I've got to be careful because like, obviously Resident Evil, Silent Hill, they're the ones that I would have yeah. growing up. Um, Fallout would make a good... Fallout would be on my list. My... If I'll be amazing, I think more mm. of a TV series. See, my number, yeah, yeah. my number one, mate, actually technically bends the rules. My number one is I want Star Trek. Uh, fuck's sake, I keep doing that. I want a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. I want that as the next, you know, I want to get away from the Skywalker family because to be honest, mate, I don't give a shit. I do, but I, I do want to see more. I want, I'm just I, want, up for it. I want something new, something different, you know, like Rogue One mm. was different. I did, the, none of the characters had appeared before. That was brilliant. I want Knights of the Old Republic. And I want that on the big screen. And that's, that's again, no spoilers. The storyline of that is one of the most intense storylines I've ever seen. I was 45 minutes late for work once because I was playing that game. And for 45 minutes, I was stunned. I was like, mm. I cannot believe that's just happened. I need to lay down. Um, I think there's only a matter of time that Donkey Kong's on its way. If yeah, Mario, Sonic, Mortal Kombat gets to its reboot, you've got to think they're thinking Donkey Kong at some point. So I don't really get it. Mm. I don't get how you do it. The Rock will probably voice it. Yeah, there you go. See, so it. Back to typecasting. The one I want is 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 has been done because I know it has been made into a low budget movie. But specifically, is Far Cry Five turning into or Far Cry Three turning into a game? Because they are yeah. the two. Well, the two games I've had so much fun of, and just particularly Five. Three was really good at gameplay. Had a really good ending. Five, Far Cry Five. It's the most cinematic. What wasn't it? a game that was to play. So with the the three siblings. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And the cool you know, yeah. threat of nuclear bombs and stuff. And it's I, got I, a great ending. Yeah. I actually genuinely love that ending. I thought the whole game, the gameplay, the soundtrack, the characters, I just got absorbed into that one. I thought, they, I would love to see this. On the, on the bending the rule slightly again, I would really like to see Batman Arkham Asylum. Not City. I would like to see Asylum where literally Batman is confined to Asylum. So that's what the Ben Affleck Batman movie was going to be. Yeah. I, that's, I still think that's got to be made. That's more interesting. So, and also that's, of the three, controversial. I reckon Asylum's better purely because it's smaller, so it's more concentrated. I love City. I think it's brilliant. Mm. But at the same time, the fact that you can travel over it, there's too many characters in it. I really like the nuanced, there's only like five characters in Compromise. Batman is taken to Arkham Asylum, prisoner. Yeah. The film or the TV series is Robin, guided by Gordon, or Gordon, guided by Oracle or someone. Yeah going in to save Batman. Sorted. That, yes. That's, I think you're closer to get that than you are Batman knocking seven levels of shit out of people, people he's already put in there. 
Yeah, just think, there's something about Arkham Asylum is, is as game settings go, I would love to see Arkham Asylum on a big screen. Because you, you only see it slightly. You never see it a little bit. Have you seen the Duck Jones uh, YouTube Arkham? No. Who plays Riddler? No. What, what are you watch that? That's really oh, good. Yeah, it's uh, Batman goes to Arkham Asylum to interrogate Riddler. He's played by Doug Jones. Nice. Fucking good. It's about 11 minutes. It's really oh, good. Oh, fucking watch it. I'd love really to good. see Uncharted on the big screen. I would. <laughs> Starring, uh, fucking, fucking, I'm glad we both got that joke. <laughs> Starring, uh, what's his name? Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion, yeah. I mean, the rightful choice. I mean, for anyone else who would, uh, anyone else they would cast, no one would go watch it. Like, mm. genuinely, fucking no one would go watch it. Should we end on a high? Let's end on a. <laughs> uh, I don't want to, I don't want to take cheap shots, but fucking no way around this because the number one movie on Netflix last Fuck week, right. Off was a film called Interceptor again, 2022 Netflix, 96 minutes long, American Australian action drama directed by Matthew Riley, who was a novelist who fucking wrote this and then he's taking his hand to directing, so directing his own work. No one knows this better than him. No one, <laughs> no one. Um, the film stars Elsa Patakai. Pat- uh, Pat- well, I've heard of her before. Pat- Is she an actor? Um, a Spanish model. Oh, oh, one this fuck and actually, she was in the Fast and Furious. Franchise? Oh, I, I apologise. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And Luke uh, Bracy, smug on screen. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to think about it. He's done nothing for the sideline. <laughs> uh, to prevent nuclear attacks on the USA, there are two interceptor, interceptor stations. One is based in Alaska and the other one is out in the Pacific. The one in the Pacific is a remote station. Think oil rig. Ooh. The one in Alaska is taken out by terrorists. So, so wait a minute, this, these interceptor bases, they're literally the only thing stopping the the basically nuclear Armageddon. Yeah. Maybe we should have more than two. Well, yeah, and they're positioned Russia side. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's nothing coming over from Africa or Europe. No, you know, no, we, we, they've got that side, nothing from the south. They're just the two. Just there, That's just a bit, them two. It's a bit awkward, isn't it? The, one of them is taken out, <gasps> the Alaskan one, and now we have terrorists with 16 nuclear warheads armed and aimed at the States, leaving only... The one at the in the Pacific left in the deterrent between nuclear war. On her first day assigned what? to the site, Captain Collins, who's facing backlash because she reported sexual misconduct from a superior and is currently being hazed by colleagues, is placed there as punishment. To make matters worse, terrorist attack leaving her the last woman standing and the last line of defense between all out war. Die hard on a rig. Oh, fuck off. Diode four on a rig. Diode five on a rig. Diode five on a rig. It's, it is bad. It's, I imagine as a novel, very similar to the contractor movie that I was talking about. Love to see where you're going with this. this. No, if this is your bread and butter and you like these kind of things and in novelization or in regards to the contractor, um, you know, you like those kind of Andy McNabb, Ryan, what's his name? Jack Ryan. Ryan, Oh, Jack Ryan. Sorry, yeah. In this, I imagine the Inceptor. If you if you like those 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 kind of books, the book would, is is probably entertaining. Well, yeah, maybe the characters in this film are utterly unbelievable. The they set are, is fake and cheap looking. They are so cardboard. I'm genuinely surprised they don't fucking get soggy and disintegrate. Yeah, and there's one of them that I lost track where they went, and I imagine they just left halfway through this film. <laughs> they, my uh, my favorite my favorite character is there's a corp there's a corporal. I just had, had to Google it. Rael Shan. 
mm. who's got kids that live in America. Mm. And at one point, his plan is to let the terrorists in so they can blow up America. I was just like, your kids live in that country. It's like, what kind of father? Yeah, they're nuclear proof though, James. <laughs> Did you not hear that when he said that? He's got a bunker in his basement. <laughs> Dipped him in lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he, you know, he's, he's that guy, isn't he? He's like the... Uh, you, well, let, let I haven't fired a gun since uh, since training school. Nothing's changed. <laughs> All right, we get it. You know, um, everyone is wooden. The characters are unbelievable. This these are cheap knockoffs of characters you've seen in other films. The set looks really bad. There's visual effects in this that don't look good. There's two set pieces. There's two set pieces. One involving a skyscraper esque jump leap of faith. Are you talking about with the one arm? Can I just say that to do that, she so you're. She's doing something physically impossible, but then, but then she has to climb something that would be physically impossible. They don't show it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like magic. Yeah, <laughs> cut away she, from she, that she shit. Did magic. It, you know, and don't get me wrong. I, I've seen John McClane jump off a building tied to a a, a hose rail. I, I I get I get how contradicting that may sound. Fuck it out, mate. The end <laughs> when when a submarine emerged. I was like, oh, just get me off this film. Um, it's not entertaining. There's no sense of threat. At no point did I think. Fuck it, nuke America. Like, there's no point where I thought that that was going to be an outcome. It's a bad script. The fight sequences aren't particularly well choreographed. My, uh, I would expect Steven Seagal doing this movie. I, I think this is beneath Seagal. I genuinely think. My, uh, so the bad guy gets in there with the help of the most obvious, <laughs> the most obvious like double crosser in the world. It's like, as soon as you see him, oh, do you notice he points to something, says, oh, this is the most powerful thing in this room. It's more powerful than anything else. And I was just like, Nudge Dester and went, well, that'll come up later. Um, is, um, he then, the villain gives a speech about how wronged this woman has been. It's like, she's trying to save your life and this is how you treat her. And I'm like, that's a good moral, that's a good moral debate. Aren't you the fucker that's sending 16 nukes? Isn't this your fault? Yeah. <laughs> what an asshole. And you got all the video linked to the president and all that shit. And I was just like, this is, this is like the worst season of 24. <laughs> like when they ran out of budget. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's just not interesting. It's not insane. Why? No, uh, why do you think this film got made? I'm not even going to go there, James. Not on this <laughs> podcast. I, I, I think, I think what's really unfair about this is that if The Rock was in this, you'd get a free pass because yeah. it's the fucking Rock. You know what I mean? Because this isn't leaps and bounds from Skyscraper. Oh, this is. This is worse. It's worse, but the storyline, the setup isn't, you know, like the skyscraper, wrong place, wrong time. That is a ripoff of two fucking movies. Like, it's, well, loads of movies, but two particular movies, Skyscraper was. Yeah. Full of dodgy CGI and effects, wooden acting, poor script. Neve Campbell returned for it. She wouldn't even return for Scream 7. Yeah, that's you know weird, I mean? isn't like, it? <laughs> but I think um, it's unfair because I think if the rock, if this was a rock movie, people would just go, oh, it's the rock though, isn't it? It's entertaining, he's charismatic, he's muscly, he's... He's everyone's hero, The Rock, you know, so let him off. And it does seem unfair that you can criticize someone, you know, in this instance, um, Matthew Riley, who directs it, and uh, Elsa P- Patake. I don't know how to pronounce that. Oh, to be fair, she, she wasn't, she's definitely not the worst thing in her film. No, no. no. It's, it's the villain who who genuinely is like, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you fucking Vaud villain. <laughs> You know, like like silent era. Yeah. I'm going to walk around on my haunches and be like, really, there's this great scene where. I'm going to give the film props here. There's blood on a window and he's trying to be menacing. So he draws a smiley in, in blood. And do you know what? In the next scene, it's still there. So I will give it to the continuity editor. Well played. Yeah, but also <laughs> fucking gross. Go wash your hands. That's, That's someone's brain. That's, you know. Like... Oh, fucking. Oh, this film was bad. It was bad. It was really I bad. I, do you know what? I really, I could have maybe accepted a lot of it if 
the set wasn't so bad. There's a particular fight scene in like a, it's, there's two shutter doors that are locked down, leaving her and a henchman to fight it out. And a scene that, you know, the choreography in that scene is pretty good, but this, the set looks like it's too neat and polished and, you know, it, it's too, it looks like, like I say, a bad episode of 24. You know, like the 24 season when they came to the UK? Yeah. And it didn't look right. It didn't look real. Yeah. It's like that. I never once at any point felt like, oh, this is, that, that's an actual like base. I'm going to do one better. I'm going to try and have no spoilers. But when they say that this room is absolutely proof, no one can get in. And then I swear oh. to God, five seconds later, someone comes in through the most obvious thing in the world. The door in the floor. <laughs> they come through the door in the floor. But what's great is after that happens, it goes, oh, there was only the one. It doesn't matter. So, but the bad guys who know this works, don't try that again. No, the two two people jump up, don't they? There's a woman, the woman who just don't die, and then there's a, like a ninja person. Oh yeah, They're sorry. Like, Fuck it, do it again. Oh no, that's my fault. That's my fault for trying to forget. So no, I tried to forget as well. <laughs> but do you know what? It's not. It's not. It, it it's taking itself seriously. Yeah, and it's and it's it's it shouldn't vining to be a contender in a in an action like market. If it was a, if it was going for being bad, so bad it actually becomes really good, then that's one thing. But this this has this plays it straight all the way through, and I'm like, what the hell is this film? Yeah. Why is it number one on Netflix? Beyond me, beyond mm. me. And I don't think it was. I mean, I read the reviews, and they were. It seems pretty unanimous that it's a bad movie. I think it's really bad. I think it's Walt Worthy. It, Sorry, it Pit Worthy. Yeah, I'd put I'd put Interception. Now, don't worry, because I'm never going to bring the rule of the pit is we can't talk about it ever again. I don't think I'm going to, James. <laughs> this so, isn't even going to be one of these things where we reference. This is so pitiful, we're going to forget we put it in the pit. <laughs> I genuinely, like, out loud, just went, what is this shit halfway through that film? And, and, do you know what? This film's kind of after seeing credits. And the only reason I know this is because I was stunned. I didn't stay around for that. <laughs> Christ. I was, I was fucking stunned, mate. It, it just showed it, up. Lead to a sequel, does it? No. All right. No, it, it leads to probably the most famous person in this. A cameo. Name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Kind of they keep going back to, and if and it was like, yeah, we get it, yeah, yeah, we we know who that person is, yeah. Um, I yeah, I really would. I wanted to champion it. I wanted to like it. I I was sucking in. I saw number one on Netflix, but you know, with Netflix, you can you know, it's a Netflix movie, so of course they're going to want people to view it. They're going to want yeah. people to see it, but and they don't release figures, do they? So. In a time when Netflix is on its ass and being questioned, do not put this as your number one movie. No, you need to promote stuff like what we can both say is a phenomenal series of Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, I think that's our show. That's our show. I think that's it. That's uh, episode two hundred one. If you liked it, subscribe. Put that cheeky little subscription in there. You get a new episode each and every week. Leave a little review. Oh, you cheeky little thing! You thank you very much. I mean, we've got some great ideas coming up in the future. Like, yeah. Sometimes we, we do this where we just cover normal films and then uh, you know new films, and then other times we kind of shoot the shit with some ideas yeah. and do something a bit quirky. I was, I was thinking of doing a. An A to Z. We haven't done A to Z in a while. I love an A to Z. My favorite. The A to Z of what you don't like in films. So we could have directors and films and that type of thing. So we could be an anti-list to give a quick reason. Obviously, if you don't want to like two stories, mm. maybe it's a film, maybe it's a director, maybe it's a, a setting, you know, like sand or stuff like that. Or I think we're talking about maybe going back and giving Star Wars a more in-depth look because we're huge Star Wars fans. Well, let's do them for the next two. Do let's, a New Hope. Let's do a deep dive into New Hope. And uh, an A to Z of awfulness. Yeah. <laughs> let's do that. There's our next uh, two yeah. shows. That's 202 and 203 in the bag. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.